Say goodbye to your credit card rewards. Greedy corporate mega stores, led by Walmart and Target, are pushing for a law in Congress to take away your hard-earned cash back and travel points to line their pockets. The Durbin Marshall credit card bill would enact harmful credit card routing mandates that would end credit card rewards as we know it. If you love your credit card rewards, tell your lawmakers, hands off my rewards. Tell them to oppose the Durbin Marshall credit card bill. The future is a hefty responsibility and not one that we take lightly. But then taking things lightly has never been what hefty is about. That's why we've created the Hefty Renew program that turns hard to recycle plastics into valuable resources like park benches and building materials. To participate, simply fill up an orange Hefty Renew bag with accepted items, tie it up, and drop it in with your regular recycling. That's it. It's that easy. It's time to rethink recycling with Renew. Particular valued resources may vary by geography. More info available at heftyrenew.com. Why do some of us amplify our fears when we can't predict or control the future? It's time to have some level of control of your future, at least as far as anxiety is concerned. Visit quietbegins.com and get the safe empowerment system for social and generalized anxiety and start creating a calmer future now. Life presents the toughest challenges. Every day you are faced with decisions that test your ability to express who you really want to be in this world. We're told to keep saying affirmations and keep thinking positively, but what do you do when that stuff doesn't work? Welcome to the Overwhelmed Brain, where you'll learn to make decisions that are right for you so that you can create the life you want now. Hello, welcome to the show. My name is Paul Coliani, and I am here to help you increase your emotional intelligence so that you can avoid dysfunction, handle toxic situations with grace and ease, and show up as your authentic self. Everything I talk about on this show is my personal opinion and is meant for informational and educational purposes only. Always consult a medical or psychological professional before making any changes that could affect your physical or mental health. Thanks for joining me. I have a uh, thought that I want you to plant in your mind. It's a question. And that question, just let it resonate in your head throughout this episode. In, in fact, throughout life. This question is meant to help you access your truest thoughts and feelings and intended, not intended, but um, how can I say it? Desired behavior. This question that I'm going to tell you right now is to help you access that so that when you are ready to take the leap into your desired behavior, then you will be prepared. You're priming yourself. You're getting yourself ready. The question is, what would I do if I was X or if I had the ability to X? X is the variable, the wild card. For example, what would I do if I had confidence? And you just apply it to the situation that you're in or a situation that comes up or one that you're thinking of now. And, you know, it's if it's not confidence, what would I do if I had no fear, which is, you know, similar to confidence? What would I do if I had personal boundaries that I enforced that I honored? And what would I do if I respected myself? There's a good one. Of course I respect myself. Well, I hope so. 
But sometimes you're in a situation where someone's disrespecting you. And instead of standing up for yourself, which is a sign of respect for yourself, I'm not saying you have to do this. I'm just telling you this is the thought process that goes on in my, in my head, at least. Someone's disrespecting me and I could stand up for myself and say, hey, you know, you need to stop disrespecting me because I have respect for myself. And in my mind, I'm thinking I demand that of others, but that's not really what I want to say or convey. But I do want to say, you know, I deserve more respect. And so my question would be, if I'm in a situation where I'm feeling disrespected, what would I do if I would not tolerate disrespect? What would I do right now? What would I do if I respected myself? There's another way to put it. You may not like that. I mean, that might rub you the wrong way. I don't mean to do that. But in my own mind, that motivates me. That causes me to put the fire under my butt and do what I would really want to do in that moment. So if uh, a situation comes up in your life, the question is, what would I do if I had X, whatever that is, the ability to do this? What would I do if I had the courage to do this? What would I do if I had the knowledge to do this? There's one. Like, how can I even go there? (laughs) Just go there. What would I do if I had the knowledge to handle this situation? What would I do if I had no fear of getting fired? There's a good one. So all of these, what would I do scenarios are to resonate, like I said, kind of bounce around in your brain during this episode, because this is sort of how I answer questions. What would I do if I were in your situation? And what would I do if I had no fear of the consequences? There's a question I've asked before. Uh, What would I do if you know, my mom said that to me, or my dad said that to me, or my sister, my brother, my partner, my friend, on and on. What would I do in that situation if that happened and I had no fear of the consequences? And so this gives you an opportunity to access a deeper part of you that really wants to come out, that really wants to play in the world or be in the world or exist in your, you know, forefront of your thoughts. And if it doesn't get a chance to exist, it's always in the background, poking at you and wanting you to do something so it can come out. So let's just say that's confidence. I don't have the confidence. I can't walk up into that room and talk to all those people. I don't have the confidence. I don't have the courage. I don't have whatever it is. Well, what would I do if I had that stuff? What would I do if I could walk into that room and present or talk to everyone, or, you know, maybe you're the boss and you have to walk in and you have to tell people, look, there's a problem here. And I have to tell you this problem. And as the boss, you might be nervous because somebody might get upset or they might quit or whatever. And you have to come up with the fortitude and the strength, the mental strength to bring it up. I mean, imagine a scenario where you want to say something or you want to do something and you decide not to because something comes over you. Oh, I can't do that. They might get mad at me. They might yell at me. They might fire me. They might um, be upset with me for months. They might give me the silent treatment. They might, you know, all or any of the above. And so we create all these fantastical scenarios that could happen if we were to actually do something. But I mean, how often do we go through life and say, I wish I could do that and then actually did it? 
I mean, if you can do that, if you can tell yourself next time that happens, I'm going to do that, or I'm going to say that if you did that, then you get to find out what's fantasy and what's reality. Because a lot of the time, and I don't think I have to say this, you probably know, a lot of the times we make stuff up. We make up what's going to happen. We make up our future that doesn't exist yet, that hasn't been substantiated, that maybe has some basis in reality, but mostly not, because we made up what might really happen. And we have these fears that come up that we don't want something to happen. So we're not going to do the right thing or the thing that we believe is the best thing to do. So we're going to do something else. Then we spend our life in this limited state of mind where we never really tested or played out a theory that if I said this, this person will be upset with me or yell at me or hurt me or or whatever it is. And of course, you'd be careful who you say what to. If someone's violent, you don't want to do that. I always have to make that disclaimer because I'll always get someone that writes to me and says, this won't work if someone is beating you in a relationship. I, I agree. I agree. And that is a serious situation. So of course, when you're about to honor yourself or stand up for yourself or do something that's not necessarily who you show up as all the time, It's going to surprise the other person. So yes, we don't want to surprise physically aggressive or violent people. This is for most people that are, quote, normal, that we can have real conversations with, or at least somewhat real conversations with, uh, people that we can actually talk to and get our message out. And a lot of the times, we don't necessarily know how to convey our deepest truth, our authenticity. And uh, that's why I want you to keep the question in mind, what would I do if I had that capability or that ability or the strength or the courage or whatever it is for you? In fact, you can even look at all the situations that you've been in that make you feel bad or make you feel weak or powerless and ask yourself, what is missing in that moment? What am I missing specifically in that moment? Because I can think of times in my past where I I showed up as fearful and worried and anxious. And I think back to then and I go, okay, what was I missing then? And one of the things I was missing was a courage to stand up and say, hey, I'm not going to take that. You need to back off. I didn't have that back then. So my question today, if I still had that feeling, you know, I still felt fear in certain situations my question today would be, what would I do or say if I had the courage today? What would I do then? Because here I am in this situation and this fear, this old fear, probably starting from childhood, comes up in me and now it's controlling me. And I don't want it to control me. So what would I do if I had the ability to say whatever was on my mind? What would I say if I had the ability to say whatever was on my mind? What would I do then? And so the question continues to bounce around in your brain when every scenario comes up because you're going to be able to test this in small things like in line at a store, um, at a restaurant, uh, at home, at movie theaters, uh, hanging out with a friend, wherever you go, you can test this because someone's going to say something or do something or something's going to happen where your instant reaction might be to want to do something else but you hold back and do something else instead. 
And so that instant reaction says a lot too. Like what would I have done if I had instantly reacted? And you might say, well, I would have yelled or cursed or something like that. I would have done that. And maybe that would have been immature and maybe that would have been irrational. And you might be right. But there's a sense of truth in that initial behavior or initial thought or initial reaction. The truth of what's going on inside of you is mixed with probably fear when you have that type of reaction or, I don't know, anger or whatever it is inside that uh, has a buildup of energy that gets released in that moment. So it's nice to be able to hold back and allow that energy to uh, dispel a little bit and decrease so that we don't explode, so that we don't have these immediate reactions and just become volatile everywhere we go. So it's nice to be able to hold back the initial thought, have a stoic moment of thinking where you ask yourself, okay, what do I really want to do or say here? What do I really want to do or say? And then you'll access that truth inside of you and you may or may not do what you're thinking. But that's not the point. The point is you access it. I want you to access it. I don't want you to bury it. I don't want you to deny it. I don't want you to stuff it down. I want it to be readily available because someday you're going to use it. Someday you're going to be able to say, what would I really do or say if I had the ability to stand up for myself without fear? What would I do or say then? Well, this is what I would do or say. And then it comes to your mind and you try it on and it gives your brain a chance to try it out. Now your brain's going to throw in scenarios like, oh my God, they would be so upset. I better not do that. That's fine too. The point isn't to find out what would happen next. The point is to find out what would I want to do in that moment. Because you don't know what would happen next. That's the fantasy part. That's the stuff you make up. But as you try on, what would I do or say if I had no fear? What would I do or say if I had all the courage and strength that I could access? What would I do if I didn't care if I was humiliated or embarrassed or people looked at me funny? What would I do then? And then you come up with a truth inside of you. So I just want you to access that truth whenever you can because there's going to be a day that you step into that truth and it comes out. And this is the testing phase. This is when you actually tell yourself, all right, this is the day I'm going to do it. This is the day I'm going to find out what happens because I don't want to live in a fantasy world. I want to be a person of integrity. I want to be a person of character that someone can look at me and say, Oh, that person walks their talk. That's pretty cool. I want to be more like that person. Not that I'm telling you to look for admiration and stuff, but it's a nice feeling. I mean, if people actually see the way you live and the way you present yourself and are inspired by that. I think when you look at somebody and you're inspired by the way they present themselves and you see integrity and character oozing out of them, that's a good role model. I think it's a good way to walk around on this planet and it's neat to see other people like that when you do. So again, keep that in mind as we go into the next segment because I'm going to read you an email from someone and I'm going to throw at you the scenario and I'm going to have you try some things on and as you do, maybe you can come up with the solutions before I come up with my thoughts and maybe you'll be exactly 100% right and it's the perfect thing for that person to do as opposed to maybe I will say something that won't be effective. So it'll be an interesting little game for us to play. Uh, not that this is a game. I mean, these are serious questions that are going to come up. But just to get our mind 
in um, processing mode so that we can do it for ourselves as well. Because our own situations come up, and when they come up, it's hard to get outside of the situation to be objective and ask these questions because we may be in a triggered state. If someone comes along and they make us upset, it's more difficult to step out of that triggered state. It's definitely possible and doable. In fact, I know you can do it. It's just a matter of being aware and doing this process helps us become aware and be able to step out of a triggered state because when we practice and get our brains ready for the scenario, it's like in martial arts, you throw the same punch a hundred times a day. Suddenly you're in a situation and you can't think and you have no time and you have to react. And suddenly that punch comes out the exact same way you threw it thousands and thousands of times before. And you're stopping a confrontation or defending yourself. You're doing something that is so ingrained that you don't have to think about it. And that, that's what this is all about today. So we'll be right back. I'll read you what I'm talking about today. We'll try some stuff on and uh, we'll see where we can get. Be right back after this. playing the what if game today and I think a good what if question is what if I knew I would not get anxiety what if I knew that this event wouldn't cause me anxiety what if I knew that this person wouldn't be bothering me so much or this situation what if I knew I wasn't going to be anxious that changes things Uh, and if you can try that on and actually make it work for you maybe you wouldn't get anxious about getting anxious which I think happens a lot. We start becoming anxious that we're going to get anxious because we're dealing with anxiety. I mean, if you deal with anxiety, if you don't deal with anxiety, that doesn't apply to you, but a lot of people do. A lot of people, uh, they have anxiety come up in different situations and they get anxious about the anxiety coming up. And so they have to deal with it. And what do you do about that? Well, one thing I've done is create a program called the Safe Empowerment System for Social and Generalized Anxiety. And you can get that at quietbegins.com. It is a a multi-hour, I think four or five hours of content. But um, it is basically a master class with several experts that all teach different ways to handle anxiety. Plus, there's what I call emergency pods and learning pods. The emergency pods are what you play in the moment of anxiety to help get you through the moment, to help walk you through it. They're only a few minutes long. And the learning pods are where you learn how to deal with your anxiety and long-term stuff that you can do so that uh, you don't have to get anxious about your anxiety. I don't want that. And I know you don't either. So if you're dealing with anxiety, I want you to head over to quietbegins.com. Check out the Safe Empowerment System and see if it's the right thing for you. If you're already listening to audio like this, that's what you'll be doing with that system too. So I think it's a good parallel to whatever you're listening to nowadays And of course, it's geared toward helping you diminish or dissolve your anxiety altogether. Quietbegins.com
Welcome back. Keeping that what if I had the ability or what if I had the courage or what if I had the strength kind of questioning uh, in your mind, I'm going to read you an email and I want you to think about it in terms of what if and uh, have some answers pop up in your head. So these answers might be perfect for this person. And I know you can't convey those to me over the air, but uh, this will be helpful for you, I think, when it comes to your own challenges. So just think about that as I read this and try to relate to it in ways to help you through if you are going through this challenge. Uh, This person wrote, I found your podcast recently while in search of advice about a work conflict that I've been dealing with for several years now. I'm a supervisor and one of the employees became very upset with me after her performance review and uh, nothing needed improvement, but I provided her with some constructive criticism during the review. What then followed were years of negative behavior from her including blaming and making excuses and withholding information and passive-aggressive comments. Every time I try to talk to her about any issue, she refuses to talk to me and blames me for hurting her feelings three years ago. She often uses the excuse of her feelings being hurt for what she does. Whenever I try to talk to her, she constantly turns everything on me, blaming me or others, or making excuses like she forgot, or she didn't mean to, or that she was just trying to help. I now know from your podcast that she has been redirecting the conversation for years, the turnaround game as I call it, uh, that I allowed her to drag me down the rabbit hole over and over, and I failed to provide accountability and consequences. My question is, what is your advice when you're in a tough situation at work where you don't have the choice about which relationships to be involved in? is my only choice to leave. If I leave, am I just running away? How can I ever be successful if she won't reveal what she is really upset about or accept any responsibility for her behavior? Thanks for listening. All right, so I'm going to call you Wendy. Wendy, uh, thanks for writing this. And the people listening now are asking themselves, well, if I were in this situation, what would I do? At least that's my goal here is, trying to put yourself in the situation. So that's where I go. What would I do if I were in your situation? That's the first place I uh, go in my mind. The second place I go is what would I say or do if something? (laughs) So right now there are obviously obstacles for you. Like I don't know exactly what you fear or why you don't say exactly what's on your mind, Because as a supervisor, I thought you might have some authority over her, especially if you're doing her reviews. So the first place I go in my mind is, wait, you're the supervisor. Why don't you just say, hey, look, your attitude is really terrible. If you don't change it, it's going to be a problem. So that may not be how you operate, or maybe you're not that kind of supervisor. I don't know. But um, that's the first place I go. So if that hasn't been done yet, if you haven't been doing that yet, and you have the power to do that, it's time to step into that role. So that's a practical piece of advice, and you may or may not have done that already, and I don't know your whole situation, but that's the first place my mind goes with the limited amount of information that you shared. It's like, you're the supervisor. Say something. Do something. Tell her her attitude is terrible, and if she doesn't change it, she's going to face another bad review. (laughs) I mean, that's where I go, but again, you may not be sharing everything here, so I may not have the whole story. So in addition to that, where I go next is asking myself the question, okay, if I were in your shoes, 
uh, what would I do if, and now here's where you fell in the blank. One of the things that you said was, uh, what do you do about a situation where you don't have a choice about which relationships to be involved in? So my what if question would involve the choice. What would I do if I did have the choice? Now, I'm not saying this is the answer. I'm just helping you expand your mind a little bit. What would I do if I absolutely did have a choice about which relationship to be involved in? Well, I would probably just not talk to her. I would probably just avoid her. I would probably just ignore her. Yeah, that could be. Maybe something else comes to mind as well. But you start with the things that you don't have or that you believe that you don't have and you apply it to the what if. Uh, what if I did have the choice? Then how would I respond? So that's one question. Another one is, let me read the next one, is my only choice to leave. Well, what if I didn't have the choice to leave? Because that is a choice. So you provided that choice to me and I said, okay, yeah, okay, your only choice may be to leave, sure. But what if it wasn't? What then? What would you do then? The reason I ask that is because sometimes we don't consider some extreme possibility that we might consider. Because we think, well, I'll just leave. But what if that choice wasn't there? What if I didn't have that choice to leave? What if I knew I had to stay and I knew she was never going to change? I ask this of relationships too. What if you knew the person you were with was never, ever going to change? My next question would be, how would you change? What would you do differently? I've got all kinds of things coming to my mind when I'm in your situation. I'm trying you on. I'm thinking, geez, I have to stay with this person and work with this person every day. And she's going to give me this attitude. I'm going to get pretty damn fed up. That's why I'm asking you, knowing she'll never change and you have no choice and you have to stay and you have to work with her. What are you going to do? What if you had no choice but to stay? Like I said, I'm trying to expand your mind here because there are things that maybe you haven't tried yet that you are trying to avoid and you're thinking maybe if it gets so bad, I might have to leave, but I'm now taking that choice away. Just like I added a choice earlier. So let's see your next question here. Uh, if I leave, am I just running away? Well, my question on that isn't so much a what if, but a so what? So what if you're running away? Uh, how is that a big deal? It's another question. How is that a big deal? How is that a problem? If you run away, why is that bad? All these little questions you can ask yourself about the problems that you have in your life and explore why that's bad. Because I know what you're saying. You're saying there's a negative connotation to running away. If I don't deal with this problem now, I'll have this problem everywhere I go. Um, maybe not. <laughs> I mean, yes, you can develop characteristics that will help you deal with this kind of person in the future, for sure. But sometimes when we, quote, run away from someone, we never meet that type of person again. And we never have to deal with that type of person again. It doesn't always happen. In fact, it usually does happen. But imagine who you'll be if you, again, quote, run away, and you don't have to deal with this type of person, but you mentally prepare yourself for when this type of person comes in your life again. Are you saying that I should run away? <laughs> no, I'm saying that running away has a negative connotation that doesn't always mean it's bad. It just means you're thinking that if I run away, and I'm putting words in your mouth here, forgive me if I'm wrong, 
if I run away, then I haven't solved the problem. Well, yeah, you did. <laughs> you solved the relationship problem that you have with this person. I don't consider running away a bad thing. I consider it a reset. I consider it an opportunity to fix whatever needs fixing in you. If you need fixing, it's a terrible word. I'm sorry to use it, but you know, you look at yourself, where do I need healing? Where do I need to improve? So if this type of person comes into my life again, I'll deal with it differently this time. I mean, this is what happens when you leave high school and all those people that, uh, maybe this hasn't happened to you, but to me, all those people in high school used to bully me. They're probably not the same person anymore, but I hope, but I guarantee you, since the day I left high school and never saw those people again, I know how to handle people like that because I was never going to take it again. I never wanted to take that kind of behavior anymore. I mean, it took me 20 years to figure that out, but I had to be away from people like that in order to develop stronger characteristics and qualities about me and learn things I didn't know and heal from things I needed healing from just so I could show up in the world as a different person. So when that high school bully showed up again, proverbially speaking, it's not going to be the same person, hopefully, um, then I know how to deal with that person. Now, what might be a problem is if that high school bully showed up in my real life because of some reunion or I'm in the same town, we run into each other, and he's still the same person, then some old triggers would come up. But now I have new tools to deal with those old triggers and I can face that challenge then. So I want you to kind of remove the idea that running away is a problem and I wouldn't even call it running away. I would call it a reset. I need to reset or I need to take care of this in another way with this person not in my life. If that's like when you're in an abusive relationship and somebody says, well, if I leave this relationship, that's just running away from the marriage. I'm not even trying. No, you're probably doing the best thing you can for both of you. This is what happens is you are part of the dysfunction that's going on. Wendy, you are part of the dysfunction that's in the office because your reactions, your behavior are complementing her reactions and behavior. I'm not saying you are the cause. I'm saying you are part of the formula that creates the dysfunction. So she has a dysfunction. She's passive aggressive. She's blaming. She's playing the victim. And you respond to that in a way that feeds that dysfunction. And so your responses are keeping it alive, so to speak. Again, not that I'm blaming you, but I am helping to highlight what can be different for you. If you start thinking a little differently, just like I asked that question, if you knew you had no choice but to stay and you were going to be there forever and she was never going to change, suddenly you're going to have new ideas about how to respond to her and how to react and what to say. You will. You'll have no choice because there's going to be an overload in your system. You're going to reach that threshold of, I can't take it anymore. And when you reach that threshold, new behavior comes out. I'm not saying you have to do this. I'm not really finished with answering your email yet here, but that is part of the process of you know, reaching threshold where behavior changes, thoughts change, and fears change as well. Because there's a point that what you used to fear, you don't fear anymore. If you don't fear anymore, then you're willing to do more. You will do more. You're not even willing. You're just going to do it. Like, I don't care. I'm just going to do it. So there's that too. So let's go to the next thing that you said. How can I ever be successful 
if she won't reveal what she is really upset about or accept any responsibility for her behavior. Okay, so this to me is where the meat of it comes in. Uh, the meat of the problem is she won't reveal what she's really upset about or accept any responsibility for her behavior. So when this happens, when she does something that she knows upsets you, because I want you to be aware of that. When she does something that she knows upsets you or is going to upset you, I want you to be conscientious and say to yourself, oh, she's trying to upset me. And hopefully you can reach this point where you are willing to say, all right, you know what? You try to make me feel guilty. You try to shame me. You try to do all these things. Just let me have it. Bring it out. What's on your mind? You know, what's the real problem here? And then bring up the truth. If this is still about that evaluation, then tell me what's on your mind. Let's bring it all out on the table here. Let's talk about it. And it gives her an opportunity to finally vent what she's been holding in. Now, from the story you told me, she's just trying to make you feel bad. She's manipulating you and because she knows how to make you feel guilty, I think. I don't know if you do feel guilty, but I think she's trying that. Uh, but obviously, it's bothering you and it hasn't been resolved, which is why I say, let's put it all on the table. And this is one of those what-if questions. Well, what if I didn't care about her reaction to this comment about putting it all on the table? Because this is how you form these what-if questions, is you think about, well, why don't I do that? Well, I don't do that because I, you know, I don't want to deal with her wrath. She's going to get worse. Well, what if I didn't know if it was going to get worse? Or what if I didn't care if it got worse? You start to negate the fantasy that you create in your mind and put in a reality that you can work with. The reality could be, well, what if she doesn't react? What if she's been wanting to say something all this time, but she's been afraid to say it directly? So she says it passively. I mean, I'm giving her some leeway here, but when you have these thoughts that come in your mind, you can change your behavior and change your approach. So when you say to her, all right, you know what? You try to upset me. I can tell you're upset. Bring it on. Just tell me what's on your mind. You know, you've been upset ever since the evaluation and you might even say, and I'm getting sick of it. So what's your problem? Tell me. Let's get it out on the table. And she might explode on you or she might say, oh, there's nothing wrong. And then you might have to follow up and say, look, I know there's something wrong. In fact, every time you refuse to talk to me or blame me for hurting your feelings, I'm going to point it out and I'm going to tell you, all right, let's talk about this. Let's take a moment. Let's take a break and tell me what's on your mind. And then when she says, oh, no, no, I'm not going to talk about that. You can say, no, I'm going to talk to you about it and I'm going to bring it up often because what that will do is force her to face manipulative behavior because I believe it's manipulative, uh, force her to face that behavior so that she has to address not only the subject, but the behavior. See, right now, she's hoping you'll stay focused on your behavior that you caused her to be this victim. And what you're doing is causing you to face her manipulations instead of having to defend yourself. Because the time to defend yourself is over. <laughs> if you do any defending, like, you know, I was your supervisor and I was supposed to do that. And, you know, I had no choice. If you're doing any of that, it has to stop right away. No more apologies. In fact, um, you don't have to apologize for anything. You're the supervisor. You're supposed to give constructive criticism. You're supposed to give this kind of feedback so the employee can improve. In fact, if I were you, 
and you don't have to do this, but if I were you, I wouldn't hesitate to say, ever since that evaluation, your productivity has gotten worse. The morale around here has decreased because of your bad attitude. And quite frankly, if I had the power, I would fire you right now. And you might tell me, well, I can't fire her and it'll make my life worse. But what you're doing is being direct. And this is what you have to start doing with someone who is so passive, is be more direct and point out the behavior so that they become aware that you're aware. And I think that's the key and the most important part in this is that you point out behavior that seems subtle enough that she doesn't think you're going to point it out, but you point that out. In other words, when she starts to blame somebody else or blame you, you say, oh, this is what you do. You blame other people so you don't have to take responsibility. She's going to hate that. <laughs> you may already say that, but people hate that when you catch on to their game because they want to continue that game because it's been working. So you need to find out the games she's playing and point them out. Like any type of passive aggressive comment. Well, I was going to give you the report, but you took a late lunch again. You know, that's something that's passive aggressive that has some a hidden meaning underneath. It's not really hidden. You can hear it. I was going to give you the report, but you were taking a late lunch again. With something like that, I would address exactly the problem she's talking about. Don't go into defense mode. In fact, start owning everything you do proudly. That's right. I took a late lunch. I have that perk. Do you have a problem with it? That's where I go. I know that may not be your personality, but you have to reach threshold. You have to reach that point where you can't take it anymore, knowing that this is never going to change unless you change it. And you might have a fear of, well, if I start doing that, she might run to my boss and say that I did all these horrible things. Well, what if you didn't have a fear of getting fired? What if I didn't have any fear about what my superior said to me? Because she is a problem in my life and I have to deal with it because it's not going to go anywhere. Now, this may get you fired. She may go to a, a boss or a superior and start talking about you and she's made friends with them. And who knows? I don't know your situation. And what I'm saying might be dangerous as far as, you know, not having a job anymore. But uh, I'm giving you my perspective from where I stand. And of course, you have earned that supervisor position, which means you probably have some say and some sway. And why not get superiors involved if you have to? In fact, I might even tell my superior that, hey, look, I'm dealing with this employee who is avoiding responsibility, taking the blame, uh, not finishing things in time or whatever she's doing and constantly blaming me for a performance review. I just want to let you know, I'm putting it on record that I'm going to let her know that that's unacceptable and just tell your superior that if that's what it takes, that way it's recorded. That way, if she goes to your superior and starts talking, then he or she will deal with with it in the way they deal with it, but they'll also have the information from someone who has earned the supervisor spot and is leading the staff the best way she knows how you, and by sharing the information with somebody else, at least it's not you against her. So it, it is helpful to have sort of the backup. Uh, and I'm sure people are seeing her behavior. I bet you the whole office sees that behavior. So that is probably being exposed already, but it's time for somebody to stand up and have the ability to do the right thing no matter what. Because if she is bringing the rest of the office down or creating a negative environment, then it's not just you against her. I have a feeling that might be happening if, if she's blaming others especially. 
So it might be time for someone to take a stand. I hate to tell you that because that involves risk. What is the risk? The risk may or may not be your job. The risk may or may not be your fear of confrontation. The risk may be her retaliation because she is very angry. Who knows? But there is a risk involved with any type of confrontation or resolving things like this. But if the risk is weighed against the idea that you have to be there forever and things will never change, then you can make a decision based on that. This is how I do it. Again, this may not work for you perfectly, but I do think the bottom line is you get to a point where you say, all right, you know what? This has gone on long enough. What's your problem? And just hash it out. It may have to go there. And she may avoid it and she may be passive aggressive, but that's where you start highlighting her behavior. You know what? You do this and you do this and you're trying to make me feel guilty here and I've had enough. So it's time to address this. It's time to put this to rest. What's your problem? Because it's clear that you can't take constructive criticism and become better. In fact, when you're told constructive criticism, you only get angry. And so let's resolve this. Let's resolve what's going on. So Wendy, I don't know what kind of authority you have over her, if you can fire her, if you feel like running away. I mean, this is all up in the air for me because I don't know exactly what you can do there. But I certainly put myself in your shoes and I ask myself, what if I was Wendy? And what if I didn't care what happened to me? What if I didn't care if I got fired? And then the truth of what I'm feeling inside comes out. Not saying you have to do any of this because I don't know your situation, but you even put in the choice of, is my only choice to leave? And if that is a choice for you, then why stay in a toxic environment? You're either going to change the environment from being toxic, or you're going to get away from the environment being toxic. But it's very hard to change yourself to adapt to a toxic environment. You have to stop doing that. You cannot continue to adapt to a toxic environment because you become radiated. You disintegrate. You start to weaken and become frail. And you'll have no energy left. And that's why you're writing to me because you're about done. So you're already close to threshold, which is great. So remember to point out what she's doing. Point out that you know she doesn't want to take responsibility for her behavior. Point out that you know that she's trying to make you feel guilty. And then also stay proud. Stay proud of your evaluation of her three years ago. Stay proud of your ability to make the right decisions that you've been making for all this time and get yourself out of victim mode and defense mode because you don't have to defend yourself. You did the right thing. Stand by it. And if she has a problem with it, let's talk about it now. Let's hash it out now. And then if she is doing more passive aggressive things, make sure you highlight it because this will make her self-conscious about it. She might think, oh, gee, I'm trying this manipulation and it doesn't work. I guess I can't do that anymore because she's on to me. And if she never wants to talk about it, she's going to turn it into silent muttering of her breath. And even that you can point out. Is there something you want to say? I heard you mutter. <laughs> you keep pointing it out and she's not going to like it. She's either going to leave or get angry. Hopefully she's not a crazy, violent person, but you know, you got to watch out for that type of personality too, but you just keep going you just point things out and make sure that she's aware that you're aware. Knowing that you're aware is going to change her behavior. She may be sneakier. She may be more crafty or more subtle. But stand proud in who you are and what you've done and what you're doing 
so that she can't get under your skin. It's just time to stop her from getting under your skin. Just don't let her do it. And that involves just being proud of who you are and not having to defend yourself anymore. You don't have to do that anymore. That's my thought. And of course, everyone listening, remember the question, what if? What if I had no fear of getting fired? What if I had no fear of her response? What if I wanted to confront this person and they didn't have the reaction I thought they were going to have? There's a different thought. Uh, What if I had the strength and the courage and the fortitude to approach this and take care of it? How would I show up then? What would I say? I mean, this all kind of stems back to a question I ask on this show often is what would you do or say if you had no fear of the consequences? When you can get into that state of mind, you can solve problems because your problems won't exist if you bring them up, put them on the table and deal with them in that moment. I mean, you may still have problems, but anything that's lingering, that's unspoken and people keep bringing it up in subtle ways and you're getting sick of it, it's time to resolve those problems. At least talk about them. At least get the energy that's pushing them. Because it's quite possible that this person that you're talking about doesn't know how to express herself, doesn't know how to communicate well, and is probably very hard to live with at home. And so we give her the benefit of the doubt. Instead of just going off on her, we just say, look, let's resolve this now. You know, what's on your mind? How do you feel about me? Be honest. Let's get it all on the table. Bring it on. And hopefully she does. And then from that point on, it's going to be hard for her to hang on to that old energy because it changed. She may be mad or she may be free of that anger. She may have something else going on. But you always bring it up. Always bring it to the table. Have something to talk about. And then hopefully you can resolve it. And then, of course, what I said earlier, it's not running away. It's giving yourself a reset if that's what it takes. Because if she's friends with all the owners in the company and you just happen to be a supervisor, but you don't really have any say, and she goes to the owners and they say, well, then that's a problem. We got to get Wendy out of here. Then you have no choice. You're dealing with a more toxic environment than you could probably deal with. And sometimes it is better just to get away from the toxicity. Thanks so much for writing. I wish you the best through this. And thanks for listening to another episode. We'll be right back. I'll say some thank yous and my goodbyes and my final words right after this. Thanks for listening to another episode of The Overwhelmed Brain. I want to remind you to visit quietbegins.com if you're dealing with anxiety of any sort. The safe empowerment system may just be the solution for you. Quietbegins.com I also want to thank Callie and Lisa for joining the patron program. Actually, Lisa was a a member for a long time, a really long time. One of my long time uh, coaching clients when I did email coaching. Lisa, it's great to have you. Thank you so much for coming back. And Callie, thanks for joining. And I got to chat with her a couple times through email. And it's so great that you're supporting the show. And thank you for that. I appreciate both of you. I also want to thank Rod 980 and Clarice Gomez for their reviews and iTunes for the show. Glowing reviews. I'm very, very humbled and very grateful for you as well. Thanks for taking the time to review the show and um, provide that valuable feedback. 
And of course, if you want to support the show, if you want to donate or be in the patron program with all the private episodes and workbooks, you can go over to patron.theoverwhelmedbrain.com and that's where you can show your support there. And of course, the occasional review that trickles in is great. You can do that in iTunes and other podcast aggregators out there. If you haven't done that yet, it'll be a wonderful little thing to let other people know if they should listen to the show or not. Hopefully, you think they should. (laughs) But if not, then maybe that is something they need to know as well. I've seen those reviews as well. Don't listen to this show. This guy doesn't know what he's talking about. That's okay, you know, to each his own. We all have our own thoughts on who's helpful and who's not. And I hope that I've been helpful and try to continue to be. I've been doing the show since 2013, so um, it continues to grow. So I think I'm helping a certain segment of the population out there. And I appreciate everyone that has left a review. So thank you again. And uh, I want to let you know about the other podcast that I do called Love and Abuse. It's for dealing with a difficulty in your relationship, mainly poisonous behavior and toxic communication. If you have any relationship that you're dealing with somebody who might be a little aggressive or emotionally abusive or makes you feel bad all the time, then that would be the show to listen to over there. And plus, it has a lot of tips on how to deal with any type of uh, behavior in any type of relationship, at least any type of difficult behavior, when you don't know a solution. Like today, we talked about the challenges in dealing with a difficult person, especially at work. And uh, so you can explore more about any type of manipulative or controlling or abusive behavior over at loveandabuse.com. And finally, I'd like to thank Kevin McLeod of Incompetech.com for some of the music transitions in the overwhelmed brain. And I'm going to read you an email for my final thoughts here. The email is a follow-up on an episode that I did. Um, person wrote to me and said, I just wanted to write to you to let you know that your podcast episode called When the Fear of Abandonment Keeps You from Happiness was incredibly helpful for me and my understanding of my wife. Like the writer of the email that you read, I too am married to a, quote, fighter. She has a masculine side to her, very confident, aggressive, and fits right in with the guys. All of her friends are male, even. While I don't think I necessarily have a fear of abandonment, I have always struggled with confidence. I'm a self-doubter. I have a problem speaking with authority and speaking up for others, etc. I always found it odd that all my wife's previous partners were the opposite of this, hyper-masculine, meathead types. But I guess she finally grew tired of the issues those types of people bring into the relationship. So here we are, complete opposites. It now makes sense to me after listening to the episode. She probably just needs someone like that to make herself feel more secure, which she has always told me she struggles with anxiety and it's really apparent, especially around me. I do a lot for her as far as taking care of menial tasks, providing financial security, helping her with the obligations, etc. But I think my personality in general is too weak to make her feel secure and trust in me, which probably aggravated her anxiety even more. Now that I'm more aware of the severity of this issue, I'm going to try even harder to be this person she needs. Although perhaps it's the self-doubting in me, but I can't help but think it's near impossible to be someone you're not. It's getting bad enough to the point where I'm starting to sense some indifference from her, which they say is the only thing worse than hate. Anyway, just wanted to express my appreciation for this particular episode, and as a recent follower of the podcast, perhaps I can get some recommendations on older episodes that might touch on this topic more. Okay, um, thank you so much for writing that, and I'm sorry that you're dealing with this, because if you've come to a point of where she's feeling indifferent, I have a comment on that, and I'll, I'll actually talk about that in a moment, but that, that's tough. 
that is um, someone wearing down or feeling powerless to do anything, to change anything. Uh, at least that's my interpretation of what you're saying. So yes, uh, I'm sorry you're going through that, but I'm glad you're becoming self-aware. I'm glad you, you're figuring stuff out and hopefully taking a new step in a new direction. But let me address a couple things in here or a few things. Um, I went through, I have this on my screen right now, I went through and underlined all of the words that you can use in the what if questioning. And all these words came up, confidence, self-doubt, uh, problem speaking with authority, speaking up for others, uh, self-doubt again, that you said that twice, and um, even impossible. You said, I can't help but think it's near impossible to be someone you're really not. And so what I'm going to do is, before we get to those words and ask the question, is tell you that it's not about becoming someone you're not. It's about amplifying or growing in the areas that you need growth. I mean, you may not even need growth. Maybe it's just your personality and you're perfectly happy with it and it's perfectly healthy and normal and she needs to go through either acceptance of that or it just doesn't fit her personality. I mean, this does happen. So it's possible that maybe it's not about you growing and healing and evolving and all this other stuff, but there's an incompatibility. Now, with that said... There's also the idea that perhaps you can look at yourself and ask yourself, well, where do I need improvement in my life? Do these qualities only show up with her? Or do they show up in other areas of my life? Do they show up in other relationships in my life? Because if they did, then you can look at those as perhaps opportunities to grow. And once you grow in those areas, once you amplify those areas that need lifting in some way or improvements in some way, then you start showing up for yourself in a better way. I mean, maybe not better is not the right word, but a healthier, stronger, uh, more confident that you'd feel inside yourself way. Because if you have any type of fear of confrontation, for example, and you worked on that fear of confrontation, and then you had no problem with confronting people, then your life can change or will change. And when it changes, your whole demeanor changes, your personality is enhanced, improved, and maybe even goes through some big shift. So these are all, these, these words that I mentioned are all things that perhaps you need to work on because you said you always struggled with confidence. So that in itself, regardless of who your partner is, probably needs improvement. And that's when you can try on the, the question, what if I had confidence? What would I do then? Or what would I say then? Trying it on puts you into the state of mind. Well, what if I had confidence? Oh, I don't have confidence. I know I don't. Well, what if you did? What would you do then? Well, I would probably say this or do this. Great. So now you have the thought of saying it or doing it. And doing it or saying it from that point on, that's a challenge because taking the action from the thought is the hard part, right? Usually. Because a lot of us don't take the action, even though we have the thought. But this is where perhaps risk is involved. Risk to you may not be risk to me. Fear of confrontation is something I dealt with all my life. And now I don't fear confrontation anymore. I mean, there are certain areas or certain topics that will put me into fear mode. Like, oh crap, I got to bring this up. Uh, how am I going to bring this up? So there's a fear like that. But... When I come from a place of, well, what if I had no fear? 
then my mind changes and I approach things differently and I take a risk. I call it risk. It's really a reward to me. I'm rewarding myself by being authentic. I'm rewarding myself by honoring myself. But it is a risk because sometimes there are consequences that you don't want. But if you think about what you do or say without putting the consequences in that thought, then you have a truth. Then you can take action on that truth if you choose to. Always pick your battles wisely, but it's nice to be able to have that choice. Because sometimes we don't even give ourselves the choice. Sometimes we say, oh, I will never do that. And then we don't even think about what it's like to do that. We don't even think about the scenario that uh, we could present, like facing someone and confronting them. Some of us don't want to think that far because we know it's bad news. We know it's not a good thing. So we don't even go into that state of mind. And the what if question puts us in that state of mind and helps us think more clearly. We still may not like the consequences, but that's really not the point. Let's plant that thought in our mind. Well, what if I was confident? What would I do or say then? And for um, this person who wrote, what if I didn't have any doubt in myself? What if I just made a decision, whether it was right or wrong, and just went with it? Whoa. (laughs) What if I chose to not doubt my decision? Or what if I knew that I could be wrong and I did it anyway? It's sort of a mutation of what I just said, but what if I knew that I could be wrong and I did it anyway and someone called me out on it, but it didn't matter because I chose to have faith in myself. I mean, there's an episode recommendation right there. You can look up uh, how to make better decisions. Like if you go to theoverwhelmedbrain.com, type in the word decision or decisions, you'll find different episodes I've done on that topic. And then you said, uh, problem speaking with authority. Well, what if you had no problem speaking with authority? What would you say then? What if you had no problem speaking up for others? What would you say then? So these are all thoughts that put you in the mindset so that you will start thinking differently and putting you in an altered state than the one you were in. The one you were in had fear probably driving you. The one that it puts you in has a different feeling. Now the fear doesn't necessarily disappear right away, but that's where the risk comes in. That's where you go, you know what? My wife is already indifferent toward me and that's worse than hate. So how much worse can it get? It can't. So I might as well take a chance. I might as well take a risk for the sake of this relationship. And that risk may be speaking up for yourself, speaking up for others, choosing to act with confidence, knowing that you could get devastated, knowing that she could hurt your feelings or knowing that she could leave, knowing that you could be wrong in your decisions. There's all of these beliefs that we have about ourselves that turn into the fantasies of the outcome that we believe may happen when in reality we haven't even tried it to find out what the outcome is. So here we are stuck in the fear. And how do we get past that fear? We got to take a step into the fear and take action and find out if what we fear coming true is true. Especially for you, the person who wrote, you're already at the space where she's feeling indifference. It can't really get any worse. So why not try new things? Why not try something else and take your focus off your own fear and put it in the bigger picture, the bigger space of the relationship, exhausting every resource you have to save this relationship, which means you may have to reach way inside 
for a lot of inner strength, a lot of inner courage, and the ability to be able to take steps that you once feared. Because if you don't take any steps, then it only gets worse. I hope you were able to extrapolate what I was trying to say there, but the whole point is, if you stay on track with what you're doing now, it's probably not going to get any better. And like you said, I'm already working on this issue. Great. You're doing everything you can from what it looks like, and those are great steps in the right direction. So I wish you the best with this, and thank you so much for sharing this, and thanks for writing. And um, for anyone listening that might be in a situation or a challenge that if you know there's fear driving you to make decisions that may not be the ones you want to make, then remember the what if. Remember, what if I had the confidence? What would I say then? Now start priming your brain for these situations so that when it happens, when you're in that moment where you could make another choice, maybe the choice that you never made before will come into mind because you had already pre-visualized it or prepared, prepared for it. And in order to keep your mind prepared, just always keep that mind open so that you can step into your power. This helps you create the life you want. Always take steps to grow and evolve. You are powerful beyond measure. And above all, and this is something I absolutely know to be true about you. You are amazing. Amazing.